listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what is up, my podcast family? Good to have you back again today. It's Monday, which means podcast day. And I'm so happy to have you guys joining me once again on the podcast. Did you know that today is the day, if you're listening to this on the day it was released, that we launched our new daily Facebook Live broadcasts um, on our ministry page. If you didn't know that, um, you need to go check it out immediately. We just launched this and we're going to be going Monday through Friday at 1030 in the morning every day. And um, this week we're actually dealing with a subject uh, that I entitled what every believer must know about the Holy Ghost. And Every day we're going to be dealing with aspects of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Um, You're not going to want to miss this week and then uh, join up with us. Listen, if you're not already subscribed uh, and have liked our Facebook page, our ministry Facebook page, and have uh, been set up to get notifications, go do that um, after this podcast is over because we're releasing all kinds of new content on there. You're not going to want to miss any of it. So I'm pumped, man. We had a great first day on Facebook and um, it's only going to get better, better and better. And people are writing in and what blows my mind is where people are writing in from, places that I've never been in my life, countries I've never stepped foot in. People are writing and saying, hey, I'm watching you online. Um, I'm watching your YouTube videos, Facebook videos, God's ministering to me. We've had people get miracles from watching online, literally. And uh, that just shows you the power of God's word. It knows no boundaries, has no limitations. So I'm very, very excited. And I want to invite you personally to come and join me every morning, Monday through Friday, 1030 a.m. on Facebook. And uh, I know you guys will be blessed. As you saw in today's title for the podcast, I'm going to deal with three common pitfalls that stop God from using you. And people often think, and erroneously I might add, that God can just do anything he wants uh, because he's God. But that's not how it works. God doesn't just go around doing whatever he wants because he's God. Many people don't even understand that he has limited himself to the confines and the boundaries of his word. God cannot break his own word. So once he says something, once he sets something in place and creates a system, he will not violate his system. Um, And that's because of his integrity. God is just. And so when God creates a system or creates a boundary, a confine or or a, a limitation for himself, he'll not go outside of it. So he won't do something against what he's already spoken. And if he's given us commands uh, because he's a covenant God, covenant meaning there's two parts to our relationship. It's not just promises, it's covenant, which means if you've heard this for any period of time you've been on the podcast, you'll know that I've explained the difference between a promise and a covenant. A promise is one-sided. So A promise would be me saying to you, hey man, tomorrow I'm coming to your house at 3 p.m. I'm going to cut your grass. That's a promise. A covenant says, 
if you'll come to my house tomorrow at three o'clock, I will pay you $40. So we both have a part to play. And if one side is broken, then the other side is not required to do their part. That's what a covenant is. So if I don't pay you $40, then you're not required to cut my grass. And if you don't cut my grass, I'm not required to pay you $40. So it's two-sided. And that's what God's promises are. That's what his word is. If you'll do what he commands you to do, then he will do what he said he would do. It's two-sided. So when I deal with this today, the three common pitfalls that stop God from using you, I want you to understand the reason that God can't just override this and say, well, you know what? I'm going to use them anyway, is because he's the one who set these stipulations. God's the one that created these prerequisites for our lives. And he is trying to hold us to a standard of success. And when we don't obey the word, he is not required then to open the windows of heaven and bless us. It's not his, he's not forced to do that. And I've taught this many times on the podcast that it takes our obedience to access the mighty blessings of God and, as we're dealing with today, to even be used by God. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it shows that you already have hunger in your spirit. There's a hunger and a desire in your spirit, if for nothing else, to learn more about God and to get more of Him and his word into your life. And that's admirable. I applaud you for doing that. Um, But obviously, many of you that are listening, you have a strong desire not just to learn the word and to get closer to God, but to be used by God and to have him anoint you for something powerful um, now to touch this world by his power. And um, we need more people like you. We need more people that are hungry to do great things for God. You know, hunger is a prerequisite for being used by God. And this is kind of a bonus that I'm giving you today because it would be the fourth common pitfall. Uh, But I'll talk about it first because it's so important. Um, People aren't, you know, they allow themselves to lose their hunger. They allow themselves to lose their fire for God, their zeal, their excitement, you know. Many people, when they first get saved, they get super excited about God and about going to church and reading the word and praying. And then if you're not careful, what can end up happening is that you can lose your fire. You can lose your hunger and your desire and your zeal for the things of God. But did you know there's a blessing attached to your hunger? There's a blessing attached to your fire. In fact, Jesus was teaching during his sermon on the Mount And one of the things he says in Matthew chapter five is that there's a blessing for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and they shall be filled. That's the blessing. They shall be filled. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. So notice that it takes a hunger in order to get filled or receive the filling of God. Notice that God doesn't fill you first, and then that makes you hungry for his presence. No, you have to get hungry first, and then 
you get to receive the benefits of his presence. I mean, can you imagine if it was in the in the natural realm that way? I mean, everybody understands that. You don't eat first and then get hungry. You get hungry and then you decide, I got to eat something. So your hunger will determine what you do for God. Now, here's a huge point that I want to make in this front end of this episode today is your hunger will determine what you do for God. Uh, just in the same way that you're, you know, if you're attracted, if I mean, before you were married, maybe you were attracted to your uh, husband or wife for a long time before they became your husband or wife and you pursued them for a dating relationship or whatever it might be. Once you became um, desirous, if that's a word, <laughs> I think it is. Uh, once you begin to desire them, that desire kicked you into action. So maybe you got bold enough to ask them out. Maybe you uh, bought them flowers. Maybe you bought them gifts. Maybe you bought their dinner. Maybe you know you spent quality time with them, whatever it might be. But the thing that kicked you into doing those things was your desire to be with them. And so it wasn't until that desire kicked in that your um, choices to take actions toward that person kicked in. I don't do the same things for everybody. I mean, think about that. My relationship with somebody actually determines what I'll do for them. So for example, my kids are going to get way more blessed by me than other people's kids. Now I bless other people's kids. Trust me when I tell you, my wife and I, we really take uh, an effort to bless other people's kids. We bless kids we don't even know uh, overseas. We're feeding hundreds of kids every day, uh, you know, by the grace of God. So yes, we bless other kids, but they're not going to get blessed like my kids by me. Why? Because I have a special relationship with my kids. I know other people. I know other believers. Carol and I bless other people. We buy their meals, we buy them gifts, we take them out, we take them, you know, we've done all kinds of things to bless people. But listen, I'm not going to bless other people the way I bless my wife. Why? Because my relationship with her is different than my relationship with them. My relationship with my kids is different than my relationship with others. So there's a different kind of blessing that's going to come to my wife and kids than comes to other people. So you understand it is the relationship that you develop that determines the level of blessing that can come. And so it's a desire that has to be built. One of the things we need to do more than ever is to pray that God gives us a greater desire for him and a greater hunger for him than we've ever had, a greater hunger for his word and to be in his presence in prayer and praise and you know, we need to pray. That's one of the things we need to do and say, God, more than ever before in this new year, give me a hunger for you, a desire for you. You know, when um, uh, I talk about him a lot because I really like reading about him, but Dr. John G. Lake, who performed many, many miracles through the power of God in his life and ministry. In fact, he had a home in Spokane, Washington that uh, he opened up what he called healing rooms and people would come from all over that were sick and diseased. And he actually had staff there. They were like assistants that worked with him in the healing rooms and he'd, uh, you know, they were all anointed. They'd lay their hands on the sick and, you know, over a hundred thousand documented miracles in 10 years. 
And it was so many miracles that the government said this could never be true. This is all false and, and fraud. And sent in the Better Business Bureau to investigate the healing rooms. And when they were done, they had to print a front page news article that said the half of these stories has not even yet been told of all that God's been doing uh, in these healing rooms. In fact, someone came from Washington, D.C. to check it out and then went back and declared Spokane, Washington to be the healthiest city in the United States of America. It was all done by the power of God. Well, think of all of the things that Dr. John G. Lake could have taught to the body of Christ. I mean, operating in the power of God and the anointing and being filled, you know, and he did teach about a ton of different things, but his number one thing, he said, if I could get anything across to Christians, to the, you know, the believers, the body of Christ, he said, it would be spiritual hunger, spiritual hunger. Why? Because he understood that the power of God that you operate in is all directly correlated to the hunger that you have for God. And the reason he wanted to get spiritual hunger into every man and woman is because he knew if you can get spiritually hungry for the things of God, God can use you beyond anything you could ever imagine. So one of the things we need to do is we need to get or we need to pray that God would give us a spiritual hunger like we've never had. But the other thing is, is that when we operate in the fruit of the spirit called self-control and we make our bodies, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, we make our bodies do what they don't even want to do, pray, fast, read the word, praise God, give. You know, when we spread the gospel, when we make our bodies do these things, it's funny how it works. But the more you do them, the more the hunger to do them develops. The more you read the word, the hungrier you get to read the word. The more you pray, the hungrier you get to pray. So it's not just about asking God to give us hunger. It's about, you know, taking the actual disciplined steps to do what we know should be done. And as we do that in obedience, God will give us a greater hunger than we've ever had. So that's number four, by the way. Uh, the fourth common pitfall that would stop God from using you is a lack of hunger. So now I'm going to give you one through three. And if you're taking notes, you need to write these down and the scripture references and go back this week and study it again while you're by yourself. It will stir your spirit to push for a greater level than you've ever had in this new year. So number one, the first common pitfall that would stop God from using you is sin in your life sin in your life. And I know this is not popular for me to talk about this. And I know it's also kind of bucking the trend of what's happening in the body of Christ right now, as this hyper grace message is being preached all throughout the world, that sin really doesn't matter like people thought it did. You know, God's grace is greater than sin and your past, present and future sins are forgiven. And, you know, the way that they make sin sound, it's not a big deal. But the Bible doesn't make it to be that way. In fact, Paul, the apostle, wrote back to all the churches, with the exception of maybe Ephesus, and warned them not to fall back into sin again and what the dangers of sin were. He told the Roman church, you know, that the wages of sin is death. And uh, sin, you know, that's one of the things that sin carries with it is that a destructive power, uh, 
that will affect any area of your life that you allow sin to enter. And sin will keep God from using you. If you don't think that's the case, let me read to you what Paul wrote to his son in the gospel, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. Listen to this. This is so important you get this into your spirit. Verse 20, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. Verse 21, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Verse 22, so run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Let me stop right there real quick and talk to you about that for a second. Enjoy, you don't even realize how big of an instruction that was for Timothy. You do not even understand. To this day, it's still one of the biggest instructions that Christians can get. Enjoy the friendship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Meaning, if there are people in your life that don't call on the Lord, you know, they don't even care about the Lord, much less call on the Lord. They should not be your companion. They should not be your friend. It's not that we don't love people. It's not that we don't minister to people. But I have to be very careful and guarded who I allow to be close to me in my life because my life will be affected by the people that are close to me. And you have to be careful and be guarded because God wants to use you in a great way. People will pressure you into sin if you allow them to. People will pressure you into sin. People will pressure you into getting drunk, sex before marriage, doing drugs. People will, I mean, all kinds of things that you would not normally have done. You know, you'll get pressured into doing just by being in the wrong crowd. It's proven. I mean, time and time and time again. How many people do you think are in jail today because they made friends with people who were drug dealers and they just grew up in the same neighborhood and they knew him. You know, I've been his friend since I was a kid and I wanted to have his back and I was just riding in the car with him. We were headed somewhere. I didn't even know he had drugs in the trunk. Cops pulled us over. Yeah, now you're in jail on drug charges. Why? Because you wouldn't separate yourself from knuckleheads. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to hang around with guys and girls that are full of lust all the time, that are you know, girl crazy, guy crazy, you know, you're in high school, you're, you're in middle school, you're in college and you're going to hang around with people that, you know, they're driven by lust. They're driven by the fact that I, I man, I want to hook up with him. I want to hook up with her so bad. I just want to get, I need to be in a relationship. Blah, blah, blah. Are you going to connect yourself with people like that? Because I'll tell you what, if you are the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that's what those people are going to be talking about. You know, it's going to be Jersey Shore all over again. It's going to be, you know, talking about who hooked up with who. And, you know, did you know that she did this? And it's going to be that environment. It's going to be what's in your mind. It's going to be what's in your atmosphere. And as a result, it'll end up becoming the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And then the devil will give you an opportunity and present you with that, uh, that moment where you can act those things out in real life without question he will. Without questioning will. And you'll fall into sin because only because you surrounded yourself with the wrong people. 
That's why Paul's given an instruction to Timothy. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord to pure hearts. I need people in my life that are full of faith. I need people in my life that even if there's an attack against my life, they'll pick me up, stand with me, pray with me, believe for miracles with me. I need people like that in my life. I don't need these people who reject God, that do wicked things, that don't care anything about the anointing of God. I don't need it. And you don't need it. Sin's a killer. Get it out of your life. Keep yourself pure and you'll be a special utensil for honorable use. You know, Paul's very plainly saying here that if you don't keep yourself pure, you'll become one of those utensils of wood and clay that are used for nothing for every day. You become the chinette plates. You become the disposable throwaway plates that, you know, you're not used for Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner because you're just a cheap plate. You've got to keep that out of your life so that in the kingdom, your work will be valuable and God can use you for any thing. God can use you for any thing. Number two, the second common pitfall that would stop God from using you is pride. Pride. This is massive. I probably should have even mentioned this on a worship Wednesday. I know I've talked about it a little bit, but pride's a killer also. And it'll stop God from using you because pride is number one, one of the things you could see it manifesting as it's you thinking that you know more than God. Or you thinking that you've got it all figured out and don't need God's help. That's a dangerous place to be. Man, I was reading in the Old Testament and the Bible says that there's a curse. The book of Jeremiah says there's a curse that comes on people who put their trust in the arm of flesh or what men and women can do for them. That's, that's what they trust in. It, it doesn't say God's disappointed in them for doing that and not trusting him. It says that he there's a curse that comes upon those kinds of people who put their trust in the arm and flesh, and in doing so, they turn their back on God. That's what the scripture said. Isn't that interesting how serious that is? That when you start to trust men, it's not like you can trust God and men at the same time. You have to pick. Do you trust men or do you trust God? Do you trust doctors or do you trust God? Do you trust lawyers? Do you trust God? Psychiatrists or God? You know, I remember uh, reading that uh, the Lord spoke to Bishop David Oyedepo one time and he said, my son, can you make one of your eyes look up and the other one look down? And he said, I tried it and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't make one eye look up and the other look down. He said, no, Lord, I can't. He said, and in the same way, whenever you're looking unto men for help, Don't ever tell people you're looking unto me because you can't look both directions at the same time. So pride is thinking that we've got it figured out and don't need God's help. But I want you to, I want to read to you what the book of James says regarding this. This is James chapter four, verses six through eight. The Bible says, and God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. Get that. The word grace can also be translated favor. God opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. That's a quotation from Proverbs chapter three in the Greek version. So humble, this is verse seven. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Notice before you can resist the devil, you've got to humble yourself before God. Notice it doesn't say resist the devil and he'll flee, and he'll flee then humble yourself before God. These things are in order. You've got to humble yourself first and then you can resist the devil and he's forced to run from you in terror. Verse eight, come close to God and God will come close to you. Once again, do you see that? You have to take the first step. Come close to God and then he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So here's a massive warning against pride. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you want to ensure that you crash and burn, just continue to be prideful. Just, it, like That's just a given. If you want to just crash and burn in life, keep being prideful. But if you want to go high in life, if you want God to use you beyond your imagination your and your own current ability... Become humble and meek. Did you know that meekness is the key to greatness? Meekness is the key to greatness. Did you know the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in all the earth? There was none more meek, more humble than Moses. But it also says that Moses became very great in the land of Egypt. Do you know that there was no one with more power in the land of Egypt than Moses except Pharaoh, the second most powerful man in the most powerful world-dominating nation in the world was Moses. Amazing. But notice the correlation. None in the world was more meek or humble than he was, but also nobody was as great as he was. Very interesting. Meekness is the key to greatness. And it's the key to inheritance as well, because the Bible says in Matthew chapter five and verse five, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. So inheritance is unlocked through meekness and humility. And if you allow pride to creep into your life, it's a destructive force that actually makes God oppose you. That's, let me tell you something. That's a place I never want to be where God is actively opposing me. Because let me just say it to you this way. As Paul said to the Roman church in Romans chapter eight, he said, if God is for us, tell me who can be against us. But in this situation, you'd have to flip that verse around and it would have to, it'd have to read like this. If God is against us, then who in the world can be for us? It wouldn't matter if you had the support and the backing of every strong nation in the world, every government, every military, it would not matter a bit. If God's against you, who can be for you? But if God's for you, who can be against you? See, and that's the key here is that pride causes God to oppose you. Clearly says that here in James and it's echoing Proverbs 3. If God's opposing you, don't expect to get anywhere. But if God's for you, makes me think of Psalm 127, you know, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they are working in vain, the ones that are building it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen walk the walls in vain, which means if God's not on your side, you are in a horrible place. You are in a, a hopeless place. 
But when God is on your side, nothing can stop you. And humility and meekness, they ensure, those are two qualities that ensure God will be on your side. But when you allow pride to creep in, division, sin, every evil work creeps into your life and it causes God to oppose you. And that's, you know, it's actually what um, ended up causing the first rebellion. You know, pride is what caused the first rebellion. Satan was kicked out of heaven. It was Lucifer at the time as an angel who pride creeped into his heart and he decided, you know what? I'm going to be like the most high God and I'll be seated on the throne. And he thought he'd rule heaven and thought he was going to take over. And that rebellion was started by pride. But God said, no, you won't. And then immediately opposed him and smacked him so hard that Jesus said, in prophecy, looking backwards, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So you understand that God put a quick end to rebellion in heaven and pride in heaven and did not allow it any foothold. And don't allow it any foothold in your life either. Pride is a killer, but meekness and humility will bring the blessing of God into your life. Number three, let's finish with this one before we go today. The third common pitfall that stops God from using you is double-mindedness. This is huge, double-mindedness. Let me read to you from James chapter one, verses five through eight. James chapter one, the Bible says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Verse six, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. See, there we see it again. God alone, not God and men, in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Verse seven is the, here's where we see the the problems. Those kinds of people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Verse eight, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So you realize here, this is a massive warning once again against double-mindedness. Double-mindedness. Do not doubt God in your heart. Do not doubt his word. Do not doubt what he can do. Do not doubt what he's able. And that's another thing really that goes back to the friends that you have around you. Who do you have around you? You know, just because somebody's a Christian doesn't necessarily mean they should be your friend. There are Christians who believe that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you are demon-possessed if you speak in tongues. There are Christians that believe that the Holy Spirit's work, uh, as it was known in the early church, has ceased on the earth, that the gifts of the Spirit, as Paul defined them, are not in operation anymore, that God's not healing people anymore, performing miracles in the same way, that those things were only being done at the time to establish the church in the earth. But now that it's been established, those things are not uh, happening anymore. And so they'll tell you that you shouldn't expect miracles or healing or or people to prophesy or speak in tongues. or That stuff's all done for. I don't want to be a, a companion of a person who doubts the supernatural power of God. I don't have time because what ends up happening, you, you allow yourself to be surrounded with those people. If you're not rooted and grounded, what's going to happen to you is going to start 
putting seeds of doubt into your heart. And then when you go to believe God for something in prayer, you're standing in faith, all of that doubt begins to creep in and you become double-minded. And the Bible says the moment you do and your faith is not in God alone, that you become unstable and you should not expect to receive anything from God. So single-mindedness allows God to use you. Single-mindedness. I believe God's word. I like how Smith Wigglesworth said it famously. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I remember reading a book by Gloria Copeland, Kenneth Copeland's wife, and she was saying that uh, when they first were starting out in the ministry, they just made up their minds. They were going to read God's word, and whatever they came across— in their study time, it was they were just going to enforce it in their life. Didn't matter if they it was uncomfortable, you know, whatever. If they saw it in the scripture, they were going to do it. And I mean, you talk about taking faith. They made up their mind. You know, when they re, when they read that, you know, that the borrower is servant to the lender, and the Bible says you'll lend to many nations, but you shall never borrow. They made up their minds even to that point. I'm not borrowing anything. I'm not going to borrow from a bank. I'll not get a loan for a house, a mortgage. I'll not get a loan for a car. Anything God does for us, he's going to do cash because we will lend to many nations, but we will never borrow. That was their mindset. And they would even believe in God that, uh, you know, as their family was growing, God would provide a house for them. And little did they know when God spoke to them to move, there was already a wealthy woman who had prepared a house that she wasn't even going to live in, that the Lord had spoken to her to give it to them. But see, it was all done by faith because when you're single-minded, you make up in your mind, I'm going to believe God's word over everything else and nothing else will take the place or precedence in my life other than the mighty word of God. When you live like that, you'll never be double-minded. God can use you mightily because your faith is singular and placed in him alone. And that that causes you to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So these these four things, really, I gave you a bonus today, but hunger, we've got to get hungry for the things of God. Pray that God would give you a hunger like never before and that your fire would never go out, that God would continue to use you. Number two, get sin out of your life. Whatever it is, get it out today and begin fresh and new. God doesn't remember your sins once you repent of them. Repent, make it right, and then get back on track. Number two, or excuse me, three, pride. Get pride out of your life and become meek and humble. And then finally, double-mindedness. Get it out and become singular in your thinking, in your believing, in your faith, and watch as God uses you to do great things. I'm gonna pray. I feel to pray today for the people that are watching this. Maybe you've allowed sin to creep back into your life, but you know it's wrong and you feel the conviction of the Spirit of God as we're as you're listening to this podcast, let me pray. And and I'm going to lead you in a prayer and ask God to remove things from your life that are displeasing to him, just like David did in the Old Testament. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray now that the conviction of the Holy Spirit fall on every man and every woman that's listening to the podcast today. I ask you, Lord, to give them a hunger to live holy and to please you in all they do in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for it. And I give you praise for your goodness and your mercy. Now, Lord, reach down your hand, lift us up, make us vessels of honor, and use us to do great things for your kingdom before it's too late. We know Jesus is coming very soon. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, a couple of things real quick that I want to just drop on you before I go today. Um, I'm going to give you, if you don't already have this, I'm going to give you a free digital version of my 40-day devotional, the Praise, Laugh, Repeat devotional, so you can have it on your phone, tablet, computer, whatever. And um, I'm also wanting to send you um, our brand new magazine that just came out absolutely free, the winter edition. So here's what I want you to do. Um, If you don't also know this, I've been staying in contact with many of my friends on a weekly basis in this now that this new year started. Every Friday, I've been sending messages out uh, to our closest contacts. And um, if you'd like to get in on that, I'd be happy to to, uh, message you as well. Every Friday, I'm doing it. Sometimes I'm sending an actual video message. Sometimes it's a written message, but I want to stay in contact with you. Um, if you'd like to receive those emails, and also if you'd like to receive that digital ebook um, and the magazine, go to miracleword.com forward slash live. Miracleword.com forward slash live. There's a form right there um, on the website, and you can fill it out. Let me know too if you'd like to receive texts from me because I would be happy uh, to shoot you a text every now and then. I'm not going to blow up your phone, but I'd love to stay in contact with you. I love you guys so much. So miracleword.com forward slash live and uh, we're going to get that stuff out to you this week. I love you guys. Don't forget until next time, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you again very soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.